As we finished the first part of this discussion, we commented that there are two basic classes of rendering techniques. The more classic or older binary classification or thresholding technique where things tend to be either bone or not bone. It was a technique that was used in the late 70s, throughout the 80s and into the 90s, uh, most recently with uh, volume rendering becoming more of a uh, powerful tool. Binary classification techniques are infrequently used. The second technique is the percentage or continuum volume-based techniques of which we think about volume rendering as the most common. Now one of the things we recognize of course is regardless of the type of 3D image we create, there are basically three steps. Volume formation, classification of the data, and then image projection. So what I'd like to do now is speak about some of the basic techniques and first I'll speak about volume rendering. And volume rendering is something that's near and dear to us. We began doing it in medical imaging in the mid 80s and have continued to do it to today. We did it on Pixar image computers in 85 and on Sun Microsystem workstations in 89 and moved to Silicon Graphics in 91 and since 99 have been working on Intel-based platforms. So you can see that we've gone from computers that were $200,000 to computers that were several thousand dollars. Yet everything has gotten better over time. No great surprise. Now when you think about volume rendering, certain things to remember. Volume rendering is the technique you can use to show all different types of tissues. So if I want to show the skin or I want to show the tendons of the foot or some deeper tendons or the bone, it's all volume rendering. Volume rendering is a technique that allows you to show the different tissue types. We'll speak about how we do this in a moment, but volume rendering is where you're able to choose transparency and opacity. So in this example, I'm able to make the patient's uh, skull very well defined. You can see some of the vasculature in the neck, but the skin is transparent, and I could change that by making the skin opaque and putting the skin back on so I can see the patient's nose and facial features and wrinkles. And again, it's simply what we choose to see. So what volume rendering gives us is the capability to see any tissue type we would like and to really optimize the visualization of that tissue type. Again, how we do this, we do this by changing the opacity. With volume rendering, we look at every voxel in the data set. And again, here's that same patient from an anterior projection. So you really do appreciate the possibilities. You can see this in another patient. As we go from skin, skin being opaque, to skin transparent, to muscle and soft tissue and bone, to bone being very opaque, to bone being very transparent. One of the nice things about volume rendering is we can make things as opaque or as transparent as we want. Some people did like in the past the ability to look at bone being very opaque. We always like bone being more transparent, but you can see that with volume rendering, it's very easy to create either of these images. Advantages, of course, bone being very opaque gives you that three-dimensional feel maybe a little bit better, particularly around the eyes, particularly in a static image. But if you look at the sinuses in a very opaque image, they're hard to see. Look at the transparent image on your right. It's much easier to see. You also can see the teeth very differently. Look at the roots of the teeth on the image on your right. 
So let's look at this in a bit more detail. And first, let me show you one more set of images, again, comparing opaque versus transparent. But again, in both cases, this is volume rendering. So let's look in detail, what is volume rendering? Well, several points to remember. Volume rendering is the most variable technique between different vendors. So GE versus Siemens versus Terra Recon versus Vital Images versus anybody else. The volume rendering of each of those vendors will be different. So simply saying you do volume rendering is not enough. The images will look significantly different because there are many different flavors of how you do volume rendering. I always like to say it's the most difficult technique to master because it has the most flexibility, but although it's the most difficult, it is not necessarily difficult to learn how to use it. In fact, these days, it's fairly simple. It's the most accurate technique shown in a number of articles, but it also has the most uh, user variability. So this can be potentially at least somewhat problematic. Now, in terms of volume rendering, it's a percentage classification technique. It assumes that a voxel can contain more than one tissue type, and the amount of each tissue type within this voxel is between 0 and 100%, and each voxel, therefore, is accurately represented. Unlike binary classifications where the voxel was bone or not bone, here we can look at percentages. We use this probabilistic classification, which involves a trapezoidal approximation. And many of you who've used volume rendering recognize that trapezoids, which you can indeed vary. Each tissue type, whether it's bone or muscle or fat, is assigned a nominal value range that represents that tissue type. And we can adjust these trapezoids in real time to determine what specifically we want to see. With each tissue type, we assign it a color and a transparency. And each voxel is assigned the color and transparency by taking a weighted sum of the percentage of each tissue present in the voxel. Again, that's why it's a percentage classification. The final image is produced by casting simulated rays of light through the volume containing the classified and colored voxels. And the image is then projected on the computer screen and the user visualize it. You can see it statically, you can see it with motion. One of the challenges, of course, for volume rendering is that the user has to adjust the display parameters, for example, degree of opacity, to most accurately define, for example, a vasculature. Because it's an interactive technique, it indeed is vulnerable to inter-observer variability and dependent on user mastery in selecting the right uh, parameters. And so when I said before it's the most accurate and the most challenging, and potentially the most variable, this is the reason why I said it. If we look at this case, if we look at the pulmonary artery, the aorta, and this pulmonary AV malformation, you can individually see each of these structures. When you go to a volume rendering with uh, out color, you see it as well, but if you go to a MIP type projection, you're not going to see the individual structures. You'll see what happens here. You see the AVM very nicely, but you lose it when it comes to the hilum. You also recognize that you lose the definition of the aorta versus pulmonary artery. So again, think about volume rendering and then think about its main competitive technique, which is maximum intensity projection. And here's just a very nice example of a MIP image. Shows you nicely some of the pulmonary vasculature, but again, the limitation that when you're projecting structures of the same density merge together.
So let me speak a little bit about maximum intensity projection. It's in some ways considered to be a technique that falls between thresholding and volume rendering. It evaluates each voxel along a line from the viewer's eye through the volume of data and projects the voxel value, which is the highest voxel value. There are a number of different implementations of MIP imaging. So there is some variation vendor to vendor, but the uh, variation is a lot less than there is with the uh, volume rendering. It has a number of known artifacts and potential pitfalls that one needs to be careful about. For example, because the pixel intensity displays only the highest density pixels, you're using a small portion of the data set. You're not going to be able to look at soft tissue. It's typically used for looking at vessels. However, if there's calcification, it can obscure the information in the vessel because calcification will obscure the contrast in the vessel. And finally, MIP artifacts can have a string of bead appearance. Now, because it's a projection technique, the key to being able to use MIP is editing of the data set. If you think about the aorta, unless you remove the spine, you can't see the aorta with a MIP image. So editing is critical. Also, smaller slabs of data are critical to really limit the size of the volume that's under a consideration. Now, when you look at MIP and you look at volume rendering or any other technique, there are several things you have to ask yourself. How accurate is it? How good is it? What's the spatial relationship of individual structures? Can we recognize vessel-to-vessel -vessel relationships correctly? Or what about vessel-to-normal structures or even vessel-to-tumor? And if you're using this technique robustly, what about vessel stenosis or vascular mapping or tumor staging or surgical planning? How good does this technique work? In saying that, some basic facts. There are truthfully few articles that really compare different rendering techniques for specific application. And surely there have been very few articles comparing the accuracy of different rendering techniques or even different implementations of the techniques. So it's important to recognize that a lot of the experience is what you've gotten over the years, while a lot of the experience has not really been placed in the literature. We know that there are very few studies comparing reproducibility of a single system with different users. And in fact, there are a few studies that have compared the accuracy of a single user on different systems. So again, the science at times is not where you want it to be. And the quality of rendering of the same data set will look different on different workstations. We commented on that before. And that's a variability because of the rendering technique itself but also because of how well the user is able to use that technique. Some of the things we'll speak about with MIP is looking at spatial orientation. How do we compare MIP and volume rendering for spatial orientation? Is one better than the other? Are they the same? And that's what we'll pick up with on part three of this talk. Thank you very much and have a nice day.